0: On behalf of Father Thompson, Father McAfee, and Father Cozy, I wish all mothers, grandmothers, godmothers, spiritual mothers, future mothers, a happy Mother's Day. We hope that you already had breakfast in bed, because there are no coffee and donuts after Mass. (laughs) In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you still smell the odor of sanctity and that the church is palpably different from yesterday's visit by angels and saints and 75 little ones who made their first Holy Communion yesterday morning, it was beautiful. To the little ones, I spoke about events that happened in 1916 and also in 1918. Events that happened in the life of young, blessed uh, Francisco Marto, one of the three children who were visited by Our Lady of Fatima. A year before they were visited by Our Lady, they were visited by angels, and even mystically received Holy Communion from the hands of an angel. And then in 1917, from May to October on the 13th day of those months were visited by our Heavenly Mother. On Mother's Day in this sanctuary, we know that we have no greater mother, no mother who loves us more than the Blessed Virgin, our Lord's Mother. He asked those little, she asked those little ones to pray and to be willing to suffer for the conversion of sinners for the end of suffering, specifically for the end of the war. These little ones were mesmerized. They already were good children who took the sheep out for a whole day in the valley far away from home, far enough that they would have to take their lunch with them and were observant in their prayers, maybe not always perfect. They were upbraided on one occasion when their daily rosary found itself being abbreviated when they were simply praying, Our Father, Hail Mary, 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 Glory Be. That did not fly. Maybe even then with more certainty, Our Lady knew that these little ones would follow through on the promise to pray the rosary with their heart every day. And a willingness to suffer was perhaps simply being more deliberate about what was already a hard way of life, yet a joyful one, difficult yet purposeful. given the readings today when our Lord describes himself not as the good shepherd, but as the gatekeeper through whom the authentic shepherd enters. And when the other words of sacred scripture bring us the voice of Saint Peter, we're easily reminded today that that the Holy Father is the authentic shepherd, instituted and governed by Christ, sustained by the Holy Spirit. And in particular, it's the voice of Peter who speaks to us about suffering. If you are patient when you suffer for doing what is good, this is a grace before God. Certainly in those days and for quite a few centuries, suffering was the lot of Christians. Not always everywhere, but by and large. After Constantine, Christians entered into a life of relative comfort, perhaps to the detriment of the Christian faith. That's an open question. And occasionally, in one place or another, under a particular king or queen or under a particular democratically elected government, the church suffers persecution. And as that continues, perhaps we should grow in hope, not in despair. Because for most of us, for most of our life, when suffering visited us, occasionally it was because we did something bad. But probably, more often than not, it just simply happened. It was not a reward for having done something good. And so by and large, we regard suffering as a total inconvenience. Something to be avoided and entirely eliminated. We've forgotten its purposefulness. We've forgotten that being a human being living in a fallen world should be inherently difficult if we're living well. Mothers know this. Not all good mothers will suffer being told by a teenager, I hate you, but many do, just because they're a good mother. But even becoming a mother is painful, is suffering. Living means suffering. Living well means suffering with hope and suffering with purpose. And don't think that it's just in the last few years that Christians have begun to suffer. The internal decay from which we suffer was described well by blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman who predicted that the 20th century would be a time when the church would suffer from indifference and apathy. Sadly enough, not even heretics are willing to suffer for their heresy. And World War I, from which Our Lady wanted to free us, perhaps suffered a decisive blow to the church and to Christendom. How many movies, how much literature was dedicated to how tradition and religion were completely unseated at the beginning of the 20th century. And so Our Lady's call to these pure ones to pray and to be willing to suffer for the conversion of sinners and the alleviation of suffering, is that much more prophetic? Specifically, she asked them to pray the rosary every day, and she promised them that her immaculate heart would be their refuge and their way to be led to God. She promised that she will never leave us. Whether it be for comfortable Christians or for those whose way of life is more consistent with the way most human beings have lived throughout history, how could we find a reason to suffer purposefully than by meditating on the sufferings of Christ? How could we possibly hope to know how to get through the day without meditating on our, on our Lord? and that is the daily rosary, the daily meditation on on the mysteries of our Lord's life, his coming into the world, his preaching, his suffering, and his victory over death and sin, and the glorification of his mother. Throughout centuries, the church prays continually, praying the Psalms, praying the prayers that Christ had in his heart, and the faithful have joined in that continuous prayer of monks and nuns by offering up a decade of the rosary every time a monk or a nun would offer up a psalm 150 psalms throughout the course of the week and 15 decades of the holy rosary to sustain the faithful for those of us who are literate it makes sense then that we would adopt the breviary, the liturgy of the hours, and continue to pray the rosary. To make our meditation on the life and the death, on the interior life, as well as the words and actions of our Lord, what sustain us and give us purpose. Because we will be in this world only for a short time. And our time here will be that much more fruitful when it has purpose. And when we don't shirk suffering but give it meaning. And so perhaps there's no greater gift that we can add to the the breakfast in bed and the flowers not poached from Father McAfee's rose garden and the cards and the balloons and everything else and the hugs and kisses than a rosary for your mom. What greater gift could you give than being with our Lord for 20 minutes, for 30 minutes, holding your mother in your heart. Just yesterday, a senior mother relayed the great joy of having adult children who still practice the faith. And that there's no greater joy than being able to go to Mass with her son, her adult son, and being able to receive Holy Communion with them. Nothing gives her greater joy than that to know that she who brought this life into the world is helping to lead this child into heaven. Certainly your mothers will be grateful and your mothers who are no longer here that much more so. And hopefully this is the happiest of Mother's Day for them. As we crown our Blessed Virgin in a few moments, we bring to her a crown of roses. And when we pray a rosary, when we pray the Corona Rosarium, we are forming a crown of roses, each little Hail Mary being another flower in this crown. And we honor our mothers when we honor our Lord's mother. Because we know that our mothers had more than the purpose of bringing us into the world, but introducing us to our Lord and Savior and accompanying us, hopefully, to the gates of heaven. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.